as I get into this, I, this sermon, I, I want to just tell you that, that we love you. There's people here that haven't been here, but today's their first week back. It's good to see Pauline and Sue, and it's good to see Brianna. And, and man, let me tell you, everybody, last week, Doug and Dana and Melissa, Vanessa, and just all of the people that are coming. Let me tell you, there's hope for tomorrow. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into a word that will change your life. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Father, we're so excited to be here today. And Father... God, we know that you have a word for us. Now, God, we pray that you would open up our heart and our ears, our eyes, our mind to God to receive what you have for us, that we might leave here different than when we came. And that's what we pray. Amen. You know, when I was talking to Daniel Giselle, uh, sometimes you, you have this little tagline that's famous. Can you hear me now? Has anybody ever said that on a phone call before? And then you go, <laughs> can you hear me now? That's a commercial. Have you noticed that the guy that was with Verizon now has jumped over to Sprint? And all I can think of when I see that guy is, can you hear me now? And this morning as we're in this series that recognition brings revelation. And, and understand without revelation there's no redemption. Unless you understand who God is, and that's what we've been talking about, that God is the Holy Spirit. That there's, His Spirit is living here on the earth, but more than that, He's living within us that believe, that are followers, that are children of God. We talked about the first week is, do you know who I am? And that was talking about who God is and His identity. And, and again, we talked it through whole, the whole series is we have to realize that when we recognize Him, not just as a man that came to earth, not a man that just died on a cross, but He was the Messiah and is the Messiah. He was the one that came to die for our sins. And if we receive what He did for us, our sins can be forgiven. Then, then we got all that, that, that mindset through that first sermon. The second week we talked about, who are you listening to? Because a lot of times, even though that we know who God is and we believe in Him, sometimes we get to listening to all these other voices and they're distracting. We talked about the storms and how the disciples would always, again, get up in a hissy and, you know, fearful and all that. Last week we talked about, who are you? And we sp spoke on the, the subject of your identity. And if you remember, and if you were here, or you heard it online, we talked about Ben and I, and there was something different about Ben and I. He was the guy that went into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. He's the guy that attacked and killed uh, the two heroes from Moab, their mighty men. He was the mighty man that went against God's enemies in Egypt and killed their, one of their warriors. He was a guy that took the battle to the enemy instead of just... And there's sometimes a... a a uh, time in our lives that we play defense and say, okay, that's all you're going to do. But then there's most of our life needs to be looked at or needs to be looked at as a, an aggressor when it comes to sin coming against us and our family. That so many times when we sit in a defensive mode, he's already progressed to the point of getting us discouraged. You know, there's people that watch storms come and go, and then there are people that are called storm chasers. 
I believe, just have the mindset that we are looking for those times when he's coming against us and ours, and we say, uh-uh, no, 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 you're not bringing that in here. This morning, the title of my message is, Can You Hear Me Now? And all through this series, again, recognition brings revelation. And if we can hear the Holy Spirit, there's a moment of revelation that comes into our life that we are revealed. Are you kidding me? I never saw this before, but my perspective has changed. And now I understand that the Holy Spirit can speak to me. And in speaking to me, I have the choice, which I choose to listen and be obedient. Therefore, I stand out in a dark world. This morning, one more thing before I get going, and you might have said, I thought you already got going, and I I know, I know. Next week, Gwen and I are going to come up here and and preach the sermon together, and I want to encourage you through this week, and you might have forgot already, I want you to see or come up with three words, just three, that you would tell, if you could go back in time, you could tell your 15-year-old self. Three words. Now you can say any three words. I'm going to have you write them down. But just think about it. You, you might have, right now in your life, you think, you know, I've been so fearful about who, you know, all these things. And you, you might think, well, you know, I'm going to tell them about a stock that's going to explode. I'm going to tell them about Amazon or Microsoft. One, one of my words is Amazon. <laughs> You might have thought, you know, I wish I wouldn't have fret or worried about what I was going to become, so I'm going to tell them I was, I'm an engineer and I've loved it. <laughs> Amazon engineer. And then you might have thought, you know, I, I was worried about who I'm going to marry and everything, so go in. <laughs> so my three words, go in, Amazon, engineer, whatever it is, three words that you would tell yourself and I want you to process that as you walk it out because that's going to be part of the message next week but in we'll remind you on Facebook and kind of give you a, a little bit of a, a heads up and a starting point during the week. Now again, as I get into this week's message that God is trying to get to us direction in our life and guidance how absurd have we some of us believe that god says i love you and i want to take care of you good luck i'm not going to talk to you and tell you anything the rest of your life but when we understand that god is trying to give us things and reveal things to us all of a sudden our perspective changes the bible says in first corinthians chapter 2 again listen to this no Ear is heard, no eye has seen, no mind can conceive all the things that God has in store for those that love Him. So we go, oh, I wish I knew. The the next part of that message that Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 2 says this, even though that that's all true, no mind can conceive, no eye, no ear, all the things that God has. But these are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. He's revealing those things to us by His Spirit that is residing and living within us. Can, can, I, can I hopefully get you excited? 
the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the power that raised Christ from the dead, that power, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, lives within us. When, when, when you don't know what to do, you go, Sugi, Sugi, here I come, because I know somebody that's going to be able to inform me what's next in my life. I'm not going to lay over there in a fetal position I'm not going to go to a place where I don't know and I'm going to walk and I'm going to lay down in fear and give up. I'm going to be going forward. I want to remind you in the past weeks we talked about a subject called conditional reflex. And it's when one thing and then another thing happens and then there's a response. The illustration I used was Pavlov's theory, which was a dog that was given food, and right before he's eating, they rang a bell. Bing! Food. He ate. Eventually, he got to the place that every time they rang the bell, he expected it, and he began to salivate. Can you imagine the guy that's given the test? (laughs) I'm not giving you any more food, but you're still spitting on yourself. How crazy is that? But at the same time, it proved a theory that when one thing happens and the other thing that comes in, then there's a response. They did another study recently that I I heard about, and it was a a study about mice. And and they would put mice in a a test lab, and the scientist would put them in a container, and, and this is where they lived. And what the test was is they would introduce an odor into that container, which smelled wonderful. Smelt wonderful. Smelt wonderful. Smelt wonderful. Okay, even though it was a bad smell, it smelt wonderful to them. And what they would do is you could tell they would put little electrodes on their brains and they could tell that they were very pleased with the smell. But they were doing a test, which usually isn't good for the test mice. So after they began to feel euphoria and stuff, they would shock the little guys. And they would see the mice and they would winch and they would shudder, you know, because of the shock. After a while, they would introduce the odor, the smell, and they would shudder even though, even though they did not shock them anymore. They expected the shock. They were amazed because even though they didn't shock them, still they winched. They still, you know, they still had the the response. But they went another step further because this was a study that happened over several months that they found out, listen to this, that the mice had children and the mice's children, I don't know what you call the meese or whatever they call, you know, the little babies, they, they would introduce the smell, listen, and the babies would shudder. They never had been shocked. They thought, that's interesting. So they went a step further. And they took and they took their grandchildren and the same response. The grandchild or children of the mice would shudder even though they had never experienced a shock. Now that has so many ramifications of what you and I go through. We're not mice, but at the same time, learned behavior is passed on to your children and their children's children. 
sometimes we look at things like prejudiced. And it's not just race, it's a gender. There's some men that, oh, I can't handle ladies, and some ladies that can't handle men. And you go, why? Well, my mother didn't like men either. You go, really? And sometimes it's a political party. Well, we've already and always been this, and we don't like them, and I don't care what they... So it's a learned behavior that we can pass. That has so many ramifications in our life, so many things. But this morning, I want to use it in the context of what we're talking about and being able to hear the Holy Spirit speak. And in adverse times, as we talked to last week, the, the subject last week was quit running during adverse times. Quit quitting. Every time something comes that character could be built for promotion for later, quit running. Quit, stop quitting and, and giving up and starting all again. As you know that as an individual, you are training your children how to respond during adverse times. In those times where we go through, we don't, we, I don't know what to do. What comes out of your mouth? Because here's more valuable, because the Bible says, and we've heard this, Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. The question is, what are you leaving your children? You could leave them an inheritance of a million dollars, and it's worth nothing compared to being able to train your children and your grandchildren how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speak. And during those adversities and adverse times when when the storm is blowing and everything's buzzing by your ears and everybody's talking and the storm and everything, run! But it's different when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And and I'll I'll just, I'm going to tell a story and I didn't get permission. I apologize ahead of time, but but I'm going to tell the story is, I I know that there's been times when the Millers have gone, you know, when we were... uh, Early in our marriage, we had smaller children, and, and, and Gwen and I took out old John Parker. That guy's a, that guy's a great guy. And, and he, was, he, was, he was getting under the anointing there at Cheddar's, and he was telling us a story about how God's provided, and I mean, he was working himself up, and, and he said, you know what? And I said, what? He said, let me tell you what. I said, what? And he said, you know, one time uh, when we were children, we, we had all the family around. My mom and dad said, my mom came in and said, look at that bill. We can't pay that bill, but you watch, children, how God's going to provide. And John Parker, I'm looking at God provided. Don't kid yourself. You're teaching your children how to look and long and respond when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. This morning, my character of my story is Elijah. If you turn over to 1 Kings 19 or swipe in your phone or whatever you need to do to get there. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I don't even have to. You got it on the screen. Yes, I know, but it's always good for you to follow along so you can take something with you home if you've got your Bible with you. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to go through this pretty quick. And some of you have heard this before and read this. And some of you have heard it in Sunday school. And some of you already think you know what I'm going to speak on. I want you to hear it again from a fresh, listen, perspective. It 
it starts with Elijah being a man. Really, he's a superhero. He's a man that is able to hear the voice of God. And again, when I say the voice of God, you know you can hear the voice of God. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So he hears the voice of God and all through his life he goes from a famine and he goes and he, he just he, he goes from one adverse situation to another, but God is guiding him all the way through it, miracle after miracle after miracle. And a lot of us will go, Well, he was a prophet. He was a man of God. Do you know that in the book of James says that we are just like Elijah, that was just like a man, just a man, just like you and I. So don't make him into something that you can never be. So in that perspective, in 1 Kings chapter 19, it is the, the retrospect of what's going to happen after the miracle. And one of the miracles is that he comes and has a duel with false prophets. The whole country has been influenced away from God. And Elijah shows up on the scene and says, well, let's see whose God is real. And so they do an altar and they're trying to call down fire, it doesn't work because their God isn't real. But Elijah puts an altar together and he says, you know, it's not even going to be that big. Pour water on it. And they pour all these buckets of water on it and drench it. And then he prays and God calls down fire, or he calls down fire on it and it burns up the sacrifice. Everybody repents. They come back to God. Elijah says, Cease or grab a hold of these false prophets and put them to death. They are a negative influence on the country. So they do that. Then it hasn't rained in three years. Now in Texas, we start whining after about two months. Everything's burned up. Three years. And he prayed that it would not rain. And it didn't rain for three years. So after this miracle... He goes to the king that's there watching the duel and says, why don't you go and have a good time? I'll tell you, it's going to rain. I'm praying. He goes up and prays and he sees just a cloud the size of a man's hand. Everybody would be like, that's not enough. But by faith, he realized that the storm was moving in. So what he did is he told the king, you better settle up your horses. You better get back to the palace because it's coming to rain. The king gets in the chariot and Elijah runs ahead of the chariot all the way back to the palace, some believe over 20-some miles. think he's got a little passion running through his blood. He's, he's got it. He's going. He gets back to the palace, and the king, which is really a weenie king, is talking to the powerful queen. And the king says, He just called down fire and killed all the false prophets who just so happened to be her false prophets. She looks at Elijah and says, Tomorrow you're going to be dead just like them. If not, it's on my head. So what does the man of God do that, is, that we're all guilty of doing at times if we're not aware? Here I believe he's at a, a tired time in his life. He has just gone through a high point. He's gone now to a low point when she says, I'm going to kill you and has the authority and power to try. And what does he do? What we talked about last week not to do. He runs. All she sees is the back of Elijah as he's running. 
This is a man of God. Now, now, here's what I'm talking about. Everybody here, get into the mindset that what you're going through is no different than what people have gone through in history. But it's how we choose this generation, the people in this church, how you're going to respond to it. He runs, and the Bible says it this way, he goes so fast and so uh, far that he gets to place he leaves his servant, I guess because he doesn't even want anybody to know where he's going. He might rat him out where he's... I don't know what happened. But he leaves his servant and travels on. I want to just read this part. It says in verse uh, 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, a bush and sat down under it and prayed, I've had enough! <laughs> Can I see your hand if you've ever gotten to that place where you said, I've had enough! I've had enough, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. The Bible says that God took care of him. He fed him through birds. Come on, man. I mean, you... Birds feeding you? What part do you need to be talked out that God is more powerful than the, the storm that we're going through? But it says that he gets up after several times of being fed and to tell him, keep going, and he travels for 40 days. This guy is, if he goes, come on, 10, 10, 15 miles a day and he goes for 40 days, he's already from here past Denton on foot. He's quite a ways away from the queen that's threatening his life. And, and God tells him he goes into this cave and spends the night. Can, can you say cave? cave? I want that to be a power suggestion because we're going to be talking about conversations in the cave in a second. The Bible says that he goes into the cave and God says, Why are you here, Elijah? And he begins to say this. I'm going to read it, then I'll just respond, or we'll talk about it. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord. In other words, I've been very passionate. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one. I, 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 I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Now here, here's what's amazing. is God says nothing. He tells him just to go out and stand on the mountainside. So he goes out and stands on the mountainside. And then all heaven breaks loose. Now, now I've heard this story since I was a, a child. And every time I hear it, every time I read it, I think, amazing. It says the first thing is a mighty wind comes and breaks the rocks and everything's flying around. There's a storm. And it says, but God was not in the wind. And then there was an earthquake. And he's, but God was not in the earthquake. And then there was fire. But God was not in the earthquake. And then it says this, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. And the voice came, what are you doing here, Elijah? I've been very passionate for the Lord. The people are going the other way. They don't like me. They're trying to kill me. Now, now here, I'm not trying to make light, but if I don't emphasize this, exaggerate it, you'll never get the point. The defining moment is going to happen. Don't miss it. 
He's already gone through the fight of the false prophets and he's already gone through the flight from the queen. Now he's to the point that he says, I've had enough! Done! Finished! I've done everything I'm supposed to do and why am I here? I'll tell you why I'm here. You are not being God to me. And God shows up and has a conversation with him in the cave. And he says, can you hear me now? Have you ever noticed when someone's whispering to you, you have to shut up to hear them? Because what you want to do sometimes when you're mad is go, speak up! I can't hear you! And God says, do you know who I am? You better call somebody. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Anyway. Can you hear me now, Elijah? Do I have your attention? Can can you understand? Do you know that they say isolation sometimes can be very bad for the human being? They say that in astronauts that are going to be on a space mission for months, they train them on how to even handle isolation. And they tell them, you don't, you're going to get up there, do not treat it like a vacation. Get up late, stay up late, you know, all the things we do sometimes when we're trying to... They say don't do that because it will begin to play on you. They say that there's even physical changes that happens when people feel alone and isolation takes place in their life. Listen to this. It, It almost sounds like now I know why I was going crazy. They actually say that the brain can start shrinking. Memory loss. And to prove a point, they've gotten to the point where prisons realize how much punishment is to prisoners to isolate them. These are big bad guys that have, you know, I'm a maverick, I break every rule. Don't put me back in isolation! Because they don't want to go in isolation. All those feelings and emotions that sweep over a person during isolation. This morning, I'm speaking to somebody. You feel like you've gone into the cave, but you're going to come out of the cave different than you went in. And this morning, because of the things that we're going through, the cave is a point of protection. Elijah went to the cave to be protected, but at the same time, listen, it wasn't protection as much as a perspective chain. He goes to the cave, and some of us feel like, you know, I've been in isolation. I've been, I've been inside. I've been away from people. I've, I've done social distancing, and, I, and I, I, there's something. I, there's a little bit of a depression, and it just constantly on me. And it's a chronic pain, and, and sometimes it becomes an acute pain. When I get into it, it just hurts. And even though it is a protection, we're staying inside. Because we know that even though we're insulated inside, we're isolated. Even though it's protection, sometimes it's dangerous to be isolated. God says, why are you here, Elijah? And it's almost like he puts him on the the counseling couch. Because if you've ever been counseled or if you've ever been in a coaching situation where somebody's coaching you, they, they, they begin to dig and it's uncomfortable. When you begin to have recognition 
and then Revelation, and all of a sudden you go, oops, I missed it. Elijah says, they're trying to kill me. they're, They're trying to kill me. Now, hear that. They haven't. She's even, she's even told him, if not tomorrow, but that was 40 days ago. She has not killed him. He has not. He's just lived with the threat of being killed. Has anybody ever gone through life with the threat of what if? Huh? You know what I mean? What if I lose my job? What if my wife or husband leaves me? What if that happens? What if they, what if they don't like me anymore? What if I get the COVID? Can we just take a praise break? And let me tell you, before you just praise God, I know that the co- Can I tell you that? I know that we're going through uncertain times. I know that. I know that. But at the same time, if there is only 2% of the people that have passed away, and I mourn for those people that have gone through that, hear me? But out of every 100, 98 people are praising God that they're still among us. Watch your perspective or fear will jump on you and you'll begin to isolate yourself and then realize one day, why don't why do I why am I why am I here? If you see me out and about, chances are you're gonna see me with a mask on. And I got this cool mask now, baby. I thought if I'm, I'm going to put some bling on it. Now, my bling is a little different than you ladies' bling, but I've got this scarf. That's right. It comes from here all the way to here, and it's got a cross, and it's got the American flag, and it's. I mean, I'm I'm sporting. And I, I got Gwen something similar. She, I'm not wearing that. So that brings too much attention to you. I said, yeah, I can like that. Anyway, we'll go back right on the store here. Don't let fear get a hold of you. They want to kill me. They haven't killed me. We're dealing with the pressure of adverse times in our life. Do, do you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is amazing. Psychologists or psychologists have found out it's not the geographical spot of feeling in isolation, of being feeling like you're alone. It's a perspective. You can be in a sea of people and still feel alone. You can be in the middle of your house and people are over there. You feel alone. That is what isolation can do and the consequences of isolation that builds in your mind. See, I I believe this. Let me say it again. I said it last week. I've said it before. Who you become is not determined by your circumstances the outcome of your life will be determined by your outlook on life our greatest problems are perceptual the way that you see things who you are god's got him in the cave to say elijah i want you to come to the recognition and then the revelation of who you are it's not fun See, he's, he's, he's gone through life and he's gone from one tragedy, one famine, one drought, one whatever. And he's gotten out of it. He's gotten out of it. 
He's gotten out of it, and now he's in the cave, and he's stuck, and it's uncomfortable. God, I've had enough. God wants to address that perspective. God wants to tell you, just like he told Elijah, what's next? What's coming? What is the purpose? But here, here's, in Elijah's story, he's too busy telling his story to hear what God has to say. And here's what, here, here's what grabbed me. As God's trying to tell him, Elijah keeps telling his story, and, and what we do in telling our story is we begin to pray the problem. And what we do is when we pray the problem, we're getting in agreement with the enemy. God, I'm going to lose my house. I don't know if I'm going to lose my job. And God shows up and goes, yeah, it's me. Who's telling you that? I didn't tell you that. Quit praying that. Elijah also can't hear God in the same place that he heard him previously. See, Elijah's used to being the man of God of power and faith and showing up on the scene and seeing the wind blow and the earthquake and the fire. And all of a sudden God says, well, well, I'm not going to speak to you that way this time. And I'm going to teach you that I'm not going to speak to you that way. See, it's a whole lot of... Uh, uh, Faith that goes on in a believer's mind, especially a Pentecostal believer that believes that the Holy Spirit can speak to them. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that the, the person that does not is not of the Spirit, to him it is foolishness. And so let me tell you, we live among people that think that the Holy Spirit can actually, God can actually talk to you. It's foolish. And if we're not careful as believers, we begin to believe what they're saying more than actually the Word of God says over our life. So there are some denominations that say, well, God might speak to you and He might not be nice to everybody. But see, as a believer, as we believe that the Holy Spirit comes and resides in us and that God can speak to us and, and all we need to do is turn our ear to hear what He's saying, To so many people, that's crazy. See, at this time, Elijah can't hear. He cannot see. He's in the cave. They are doing me wrong, God. Have we ever been in that place? Have you ever been in that place? But I want you to see this. Elijah is looking, longing, and expecting not for God's victory, favor, love, peace, joy, and His unmatchless relationship that is mentioned in Isaiah 30. Here's what He has done that a lot of times we get into a habit of doing during these adverse times. Right before we run, we begin to look long and expect for God's defeat in our life. His punishment. His anxiety. His worry. His anger. His betrayal. And when you get to that place, you begin to see 
all those things because you begin to be a self-profit over your own life. This isn't the guy that called down fire, even though he was the man that called down fire. This is the guy that prayed for rain. It's almost like he's looking for the earth, wind, and fire to start up. Do you remember the clouds in the skies? Yeah. I don't just throw these sermons together. I put something into it. I just want to let you know. The song says, do you remember yesterday chasing the clouds away? He, he remembers seeing that cloud. So surely God's going to show up that way. God had him a reason, or had the reason that put him in the cave to tell him what's next. In other words, shh, listen, hush, quiet. I already know your story. When we're in the place that all we can do is tell our story and whine about it, do you not know? Don't you think that God knows the injustice that's happened in your life? Do you not know that God's still on the throne in the middle of coronavirus? And the Holy Spirit would say, can you hear me now? I'm whispering. Let me tell you what excites me is that God has secrets to get to us. He wants to tell us secrets. As I said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, some of you need to write this down because you don't believe it, and, and some of you do believe it, but you just haven't ever seen it. You know what I mean? Oh, I believe that. Are you doing it? Because in the Amplified, which brings it out, for I always pray, Paul says, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that He may grant you the spirit of revelation. Why? of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of Him. If you look at Psalms 25, it says, The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, which is rever and worship, revere and worship Him, and He will show them, listen to this, and He will show them His covenant and reveal I love that. His covenant and revealed to them the deep inner meanings. Can you hear me now? When the Holy Spirit speaks, are you listening? Because when we understand that the covenant of the believer, while we take the Lord's Supper, sometimes a ritual, a ritual, a, a habit, something that is constant, a system in our life, it becomes stagnant. But on the first Sunday of the month when we take the Lord's Supper, we're entering in to remind us of what God did on the cross verse that we begin to be part of His covenant. The covenant that says all that belongs to God now belongs to the believer and vice versa. What's going to happen to me? You might as well ask, what's going to happen to my father? Because my father has me in his hand. And he's going to take care of me. Let me wrap this up. Can I remind you that God can handle your problem? God can handle the Jezebels that are in your life. All the threats. Tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. Tomorrow, this is your future. What she is doing is trying to come against his future. But God doesn't even speak to the wine 
God speaks to Elijah's purpose, which is connected to his future. What he is really saying to Elijah is, I want you to forget the past and push towards the future. I want you to leave this place. He doesn't even mention Jezebel. He doesn't even mention the story that he's been whining and praying the problem. He says, this is what I've got for you next, Elijah. And it's going to take care of the past. Get your oil, your anointing oil, because I'm going to go. I want you to leave this place and go down here and anoint this guy for king, this guy for king, and he's going to take care of the past. And then you're going to anoint this guy out plowing with some oxen out in the field. His name is Elisha. And he's going to give you some help up in here. And he's going to take care of the problems. And, and this king is going to take care of the problems. And that king's going to take care of the problems. And the things they don't take care of, Elisha's going to take care of. You're okay. You're okay. And here's what I want you to know, Elijah. I knew all this was going to happen. And I had a plan to take care of it. Why are you here, Elijah? Elijah, I want to take you from the cave to the kings. If you let me, if you can hear me. You know, when Jesus would continually say in the New Testament, you that have ears to hear, hear. Isn't that powerful? It's not that it, the word of God isn't going to go forth. It's it, do you have the ears to hear? the Word of God, when it goes forth. In this story, instead of us keep on keeping on telling the sad story, can we hear what God's telling us? See, a lot of times we get to the place in our life where all we can do is tell the sad story and that we ought to have a river of life flowing out of us, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see opens prison doors, sits a captive free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. But you know what? Sometimes that river is dank and stinks because all that's coming out of us is that sad story. People don't want to be around us because you're too predictable. I know you're going to tell that sad story again. And this morning, God wants to end that. He wants to give you a future that's good. I've got you in the cave. I've got you here. And you're going to come out of this time better than you went in. If you just hear my voice. If you trust me. You know when the Bible says trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your... I'd like to trust God, but... Have you read the statistics about the corona? Come on, guys. We know that it's real. We've been in training for years as believers for such a time as this. And I want to encourage you not to allow the enemy to ring your bell and get you thinking of, oh, God has brought you here to change your perspective. And that will change your ear. Let's pray. Father, today...
thank you so much. I want to call the worship team up before I pray real quick. And I want you to respond. Some of you that are hurting, some of you that are in the cave, as you respond, just enter in. I want to pray, but, but just in a minute, I want to encourage you just to enter in. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Pastor, I don't have a river of life flowing out of me. Today's the day that you do. That you allow the past to be the past and you push to the forward, to the future, to going on. Let's pray. Father, as we enter into a time of worship, help us, God, that have been in the cave and felt discouraged and a little depression and a little bit of this, a little bit of that of what if, what if this happens, what if that happens. God, today is a new day. We're not saying that the circumstances are there. We're not saying that the storm isn't blowing. But God, we can recognize the Savior of the storm. God, we love you. And Father, today we give you all of our praise. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.